first of all, he will around here is treated like a god. I mean, I'll never find out what he could really do. I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god. Just for right. a few moments. Uh, welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Today with us, we have a special guest who... I just stumbled upon, you know, we're all big, uh, we're all on lockdown, and I stumbled across uh, this video on YouTube. It's a, a three-hour video, and well done, fantastic. I couldn't get it. I got into it, and I couldn't stop um, because I wanted to see what he said about Broderick, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> but with us is Darren Means, and it's over three hours long. It's on YouTube. Um, we'll give you the link in the bottom of the um, uh, description of the show so everybody can watch it. But uh, we thought we'd have Darren on, which you see with us there, uh, and talk about his passion for Indiana high school basketball. Because uh, I'm assuming it's a, very similar to mine. But uh, with this project they did, I thought I um, saw it all when I watched the video Indiana's game. I think they did in the early 90s. But uh, this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is some fantastic stuff. Darren, thanks for taking some time to be with us. Uh, I mean, what else do you got to do unless you're an essential employee? Maybe you are. I'm, I'm a teacher, teacher so, so no. <laughs> we're, we're not, not that, that essential, essential right now. now. We're, on, we're online, mostly. mostly. So. And, and so tell a little bit, uh, everybody, a little bit about, you know, where you teach, where you're from, and where did this love of the passion and passion for the game of uh, basketball come from? Um, I came from... Uh, well, I'll start off. I'm, I actually teach at Southwestern High School, um, which is in Hanover, Indiana. It's near uh, the border of Kentucky, uh, right on the river. Uh, Madison, Indiana, you probably know that, or Hanover College. Um, I'm originally from Jackson County, uh, a small town called Crothersville High School is where I went to high school at. Um, we were in a single-class sectional I uh, played a little bit of basketball, um, had a lot of friends that played ball, and we never really won a sectional until this year, so it's kind of cool that Crows won their first sectional in 105 years, so first boys sectional, girls won three years ago. Now, if, am I mistaken that Southwestern, I mean, I know we had, we lost a great uh, high school basketball coaching legend yesterday with uh, Ed Siegel. I think he started out at Southwestern. Uh, I I think so. I'm not for sure on that. I did see the pictures uh, that said Southwestern on it, but I don't know for sure it was Southwestern Hanover or Southwestern Shelby. I got you. Um, they're up near Columbus, Indiana. Um, but I don't know for sure. I don't know the coaching history at Southwestern for sure. So 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 do you did you play the game? Were you uh, did you start going to high school basketball? Well, Where did you get this I played, passion? From? I played a lot in elementary and middle school, and I started playing in high school. And uh, me and a friend got in a little trouble and had to do a lot of running one year, so I didn't play the next year. But I, I played my junior year to finish out. So I was a baseball player. Uh, I was better at baseball. Um, at, you know, basically. Uh, Basketball is my passion, though. It's my favorite sport to play and to watch. So I was just better at baseball. <laughs> so, so when did this idea of doing uh, the video come about? Uh, well, two things happened. One is my my first wife passed away in a car accident, and I just went through a, a rough time after that. And then once I met my my current wife, uh, I told 
told Nora that I wanted to live my life the way that I should have been living all along. And that's, you know, we don't have any guarantees. So, um, I just wanted to do things that I wanted to do, you know, I mean, not, not bad things or anything. It sounds weird to say that, but you know, I, you know, if I wanted to go to Italy, I wanted to go to Italy or if I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to do a basketball documentary with my father, you know, and I, it kind of, kind of snowballed from there. My dad was, uh, got sick in 2008, I think for the first time. And around 2007 is when I had this idea. So we started doing the documentary together and he would go on the road with me or my family would go on the road with me and, and we would just travel the state. I just had this idea to do at first. I thought it would be neat to get like a round table of like five guys just talking about basketball. And I thought, you know, what if instead of five guys sitting at one place, what if I went around and had like an idea of like five different things that would people would like to see about Indiana high school basketball, like, who are some of the best coaches? Who are some of the best? What are some of the best programs? Uh, some of the best rivalries, stuff like that. So I just kind of that idea snowballed, and then I started taking my dad for the next three seasons around the different gyms throughout the state, and I met one person, which led to another person. And you know how it is. You know, it just it's a big community. You know, everybody that's into basketball knows that it's a community and, and people would be there for, you know, it's not some kind of top secret thing. Coaches will talk to you about what they're doing. Uh, players love to talk about themselves um, and people, you know, in different towns love to talk about their teams. So um, it was just, it was fun. I did it for three and a half years, probably. I started in late 2007 and ended up finishing about 2010. That's when my father got really sick. He had uh, cancer, um, mesophilioma, and it was all down in his lungs and his glands, and he just kind of wasted away. And, you know, it just after I did. Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show. I am your host, Billy Powell. You can go to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, that's all one word, keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com, and listen to over 185 interviews, most of which are about the game from the game of basketball from the state of Indiana. And all the others have a six degrees of separation with the game of basketball from Indiana, if you can believe that or not. But we have over 185 episodes on keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com. Please feel free to go over there and download them and listen to them at your convenience. We also have a new YouTube channel. It's the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show. If you type that into the search bar, you'll uh, find our uh, shows on there also. We have just started doing some video interviews, which is uh, we're trying to work the kinks out on that, but uh, it's going to come out on top. Uh, with that all being said, with us today is Jimbo Rail. Of course, Jimbo Rail is the legendary uh, Jimmy Rail's son. Uh, but uh, you could also call Jimbo Rail a little bit uh, uh, legendary, number five for Tara Hune uh, in the movie Hoosiers. 
And uh, just before we hopped on here, we were talking about the jumping rope. And I don't think I could jump rope. And Jimmy says he tries to do between 6000 and 9000 a week. Jimmy, Jimbo Rail, thank you so much for joining us and spending some time to help keep the nostalgia alive. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me, Billy. I've been looking forward to this. Uh... We had a good we had a good time on that Hoosiers uh, uh, Zoom, didn't we, last week? Oh, that was that was so much fun. That's the that was the third or second Zoom. I've done three Zooms now. That was the second one that I that I've done, and uh, man, those things are pretty cool. Yeah, it's it was it, it was disappointing though because uh, uh, Nathan didn't hit the record button. I did, but I couldn't get any audio. But there was a lot of good stuff that would have been a good share on uh, social media or for people to listen and watch. That would have been. I and I I'm not uh, high tech enough to. I didn't know how to record it or anything like that. So I had Jordan Mount actually send me a a screenshot of the of our all of us on there. So I got that, but I don't have any of the the video or anything like that. So yeah. Uh, uh, Jimbo, when 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 did you what at what age did you realize your, your your dad had ball skills or what age were you introduced to the game of basketball? Is it still in your memory? Uh, well, I was actually introduced to the game of basketball when I was probably right around nine or ten at the we had in Kokomo we had church leagues, so I played for Main Street United Methodist and uh, you know my dad never coached or anything like that. He, there's always other people coaching, but they'd always. The coaches that would coach us would always talk about my dad, how great he was, and this and that. And I kind of started realizing how good he was when I was probably about nine or ten. So, did you win that first organized basketball game that you played in? Uh, actually, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if we did or not, but I I do know. Right before the church league, my mom and dad had enrolled me into the YMCA, like Pee Wee basketball or little dribblers or whatever they called it. And I got so scared. I played one game and told my one playing anymore. I, I think that was like when I was eight or nine. But so my real basketball started when I was at Main Street Methodist and played on the church league team. So I was I was a man. I can't remember how old I was, but it was a Tabernacle Tab on Thirty Fourth Street in Indianapolis, which has a, a lot of uh, basketball names have come out of Tab. Uh, just most recently, George Hill, who played for the Pacers and and uh the Spurs uh-huh. and uh and now for the Bucks but I remember uh we lost 20 to 2 but I scored our team's only two points. Well that's that's pretty good. You got all the points. But look man several that's times pretty... several times when I would get the ball I'd just run with it. So you know my dribbling skills evidently I had zero. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's it's funny. I mean, you don't realize you, thinking back you don't realize how little you knew about basketball when you were that age. It's just crazy. So was it? How long was it until you uh, really realized, you know, what your dad was really all about? I mean, or did that sink in? Because you know, at that age when we're young like that, because I'm pretty sure that we're pretty close in age, maybe by a couple of years, you don't really yeah. realize, you know, you you've got your own life going. The, the world's all about you rather than uh, your mom or dad. So when was it that you realized that, you know, your dad was the real deal? Uh, probably really probably high school age. I started realizing because. You know, you start you start following the NBA when you're, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and then, you know, high school you start realizing how good these players are. You're getting the college game, and you realize how hard it is to even get to the college level. And then you sit back and think, well, my dad played high school, college, pros, and he played it at a high level. So I mean, you realize how hard that is once you. I think when you get to about high school age what kind of an accomplishment that was for him to do that. So 
But when you're a kid, like, you know, 11, 12 years old, it's just your dad. You don't even, you're kind of embarrassed sometimes when people bring him up, you know, when they're talking about him. So. Your name, Jimbo, did it come, where, where did that come from? Do you know? Uh, I think my dad just started calling me out to differentiate from him and me, you know, <laughs> Jimbo, Bo. I have a bunch of people, my, a lot of my friends just call me Bo, so. But it's kind of, you know, I, I kind of went back to it as I got older because of Jimbo Fisher, the football coach. Right. I, I figured it was cool enough for him to be Jimbo. I could still be called Jimbo. Yeah. Well, Jimbo's a $100 million man, too, down here at Texas A&M, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when did you start to get a little bit serious about your game of basketball and uh was it was it easy for you uh probably about my well my freshman year is when i really started ha- i started really focusing on, on practicing and trying to get better because my freshman year i started out on the freshman b team and i was not happy about that but by mid-season i was starting on the jv so I really started taking it serious when I realized that I had a lot of work to do to catch up and, you know, be where I was supposed to be. So high school is when I really started taking it serious. You know, and that's uh, when I quit playing, you, you, quit you know, playing baseball. Okay. Right? You know, a lot of people have read and know about you, you know, hitting 75 in a row before they started to take a break there in, um, in Hoosiers. And um, uh-huh. is that something that you kind of focused on when you were on the B team uh, as a freshman, did you just uh, go out and uh, shoot shots over and over and over, or, or what did you do to uh, bring your game up? Just basically doing a lot of shooting drills. I mean, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, my goal was to shoot 20,000 free throws. So to do that, you basically have 100 days. And Back when we were in school, we had like a, almost 100 days as summer vacation. So my goal was to shoot 200 day for 100 days, which would be 20,000, and which I ended up doing. So with those free throws, shooting 20,000 free throws, and then all the jump shots that I shot, I mean, it was probably anywhere from 40 to 50,000 shots I shot that summer. So basically, basically just doing shooting drills. I, the, I probably needed to work more on my, my dribbling. But were there weights involved within uh, uh, that uh, uh, that summer? Uh, lifting weights and stuff yeah no we i never i never lifted weights my dad wouldn't let me he thought it would mess my shot up <laughs> so no i never did any weights and, and so did you have when you were growing up did you have like a uh, a favorite team that you followed a favorite pro player that you followed that you kind of you know how sometimes as little kids will fascinate you know uh, Dr. J takes the ball to the to the hole, or, or you know, did you have anybody that you kind of enjoyed watching, or kind of tried to emulate your game by, or was it, uh, you know, I, I'm Jimbo Rail? Well, you know, in my in my bedroom, I had a Calvin Murphy Houston Rockets poster. I always liked little Calvin Murphy just because he could pull up deep and fill it up. But really, Scott Skiles was the when I was a freshman when Skiles was a senior in high school and they won the state in '82. And then his career at Michigan State, I kind of, I wanted to play like Scott Skiles. That's who I wanted to play like. But obviously I didn't have that kind of skill, but I tried to emulate him as much as I could. So. Uh, and what, what, a, uh, what a state champion for our Final Four to watch uh, when uh, he was playing with Plymouth, wasn't it? Oh, that was, that was, that was the best Final Four I've ever been to. 
Did you ask for advice from your dad? Did your dad want to give you advice, or did he kind of leave you alone and let you uh, uh, learn on your own? He would give me advice, but he wasn't as hands-on as, like, I am with my son. He wasn't really – he told me what I had to do. If I didn't do it, that was up to me to do it. He would he would take off for work, you know, in the morning and say, "Hey, you need to get your shots in and get it done." And, and he'd get home, said, "Did you do it?" And some days I didn't do it. And he'd be, you know, he's you know basically tell me, "Hey, you need to do that if you want to get better." You know, so I was always good at procrastinating. If I, I could put it off, I would, but but I'd end up getting it done sooner or later. Is is being Jimmy Rail's son kind of like uh, being the coach's son? Is it is it is a is it a hard rap to come up from underneath? It is it is it something that from everything that I've seen and read, it seems like you handled it uh, uh, just amazingly. But I mean, what is that like? Or you know, give a little bit of you know because there's a lot of like you know I've, uh, I've interviewed Sam Alford, uh, you know, and you know, and a lot of other play uh, people that have played for their dads or vice versa. And you know, it, that sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's easy, but it seems like it was kind of smooth with you. Well, that, that's one thing. He never did coach me when I was, like, on a team. Right. He never did coach me that way. But, you know, it was tough because I knew what he expected from me. But if if he was if he were my coach, like, say he was my coach in the high school level, I think it would have been a lot different dynamic. It would have been – I might have scored more. I, I don't know. He may have given me more freedom to shoot. Like, kind of like when Steve Alford played for his dad. If Steve wasn't playing for his dad, he probably wouldn't. I mean, he probably, he would have scored a lot of points, but when your dad's coaching, your, your dad's going to let you do a little bit more than somebody else. And that's kind of I, – I help out at Kokomo High School now, and uh, the head coach there is uh, Bob Wannell, and he's got a son on the team, Bobby Wannell, and he's a really good player. But I see I see the friction between him and his dad too when, they're, when they're, it, there's, it's tough to coach your own son too, so there's a lot of – a lot of toughness there coaching your own son. What was your basketball, high school basketball career like? Can you give us a little bit of rundown through it? Uh, my, well, so my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, I played for Kokomo Hayworks, which was the second school in Kokomo. It's kind of, it was only here for, I think, about 17 years, but my senior year, like, combined schools. So I played my senior year at Kokomo. So the first, my first two varsity seasons were at Hayworth, and you know we were just an average team. We played in the Olympic Conference. Uh, I think Carmel was in our conference, and Huntington North. We were, we were a decent team. But my senior year, when we went together with Kokomo, we had probably one of the one of the best teams in the state. We get, ended up getting beaten in the semi-state by uh, East Chicago with Kenny Lofton and uh, Freeman West and. I mean, they were a really good team. Kenny Lawson ended up playing in the major league in baseball for, you know, 12, 13 years, I think. So. Yeah, that, I know uh, one of the people that I've interviewed, he was a, an outstanding, he was a national champion with uh, the Evansville Aces, I think, in 1958, was Coach Harold Cox, and I think he actually started out the Kokomo Hayworth uh, program there for a little while in Kokomo. He, he did, he did. Yeah, Harold's a good guy. I, I actually was at a... Fisher's game with him uh, this past season. So, yeah, Harold's a great guy. 
super guy. It's always fun with those old coaches that, you know, I have them on. And we're, you know, at the beginning, they're kind of like, well, how long are we going to talk? And I said, eh, normally about 45 minutes. And they're, especially Harold was, what am I going to talk about for 45 minutes? And with Harold, we had <laughs> a, a two uh, one and a half hour segments. Oh, that's great. Harold, he, he's a good storyteller. And then his brother, Earl, his brother, Erwin Cox is here in Kokomo. He played for Drake. He was a, a really good basketball player. Yeah. I just got a DVD to him of, uh, because he was teammates with, uh, uh, Bob Nettelicky, who went out went yep. and played with the Pacers, uh, of Drake in Iowa. And, uh, I've interviewed him and he was, he was, he was a little less talkative than, uh, Harold, his brother, but he, 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 uh-huh. he, re- he reeled the stories out. So, so what was it like to, you're at Kokomo, and, you know, this is the place your dad played, and the, the Kokomo basketball is just uh, so uh, uh, rich traditionally in, in the game of basketball. What was it like to, to play at the same place that your dad played? You know, it, it, was, it was really, now that I sit back and look at it, it's really cool, because now when I'm coaching at Kokomo, I'm in that gym, I'm just kind of like, man, my dad played here, I played here. My son's going to play there this next season. So, I mean, it's just my brother played there. My brother was on the team and got runner-up in the state in 89. So there's just a lot of it. And I think of all the other players that have played there that are were great players. Goose Ligon. I mean, there's there's so many great players that have played in Memorial Gym. It's just – but the play where my dad played at, it was, it was pretty special. And, and did you let your senior season go by? Was it – was it like a flash and, and going into the semi-state, or did you take some time and take it all in? I didn't take any of it. And I, <laughs> my dad told me the very last game, he said, you know, when they do the senior night, and you know, you got with your parents on the floor, he said, now this is going to be pretty much, you're never ever going to do this again. And I thought, yeah, well, yeah, I didn't think, it, it didn't even cross my mind that that was even, a, you know, going to be a sad moment. I just went out and they introduced us, and we went and played the game, and, and the season's over. But when you get older, you look back and think, man, I didn't – I kind of took that for granted, really. Do you think the first – do you think if all four years would have been at Kokomo, it would have been a little bit different rather than uh, uh, being at Hayworth before they consolidated? Yeah, I think it would have been. I, I think I would have probably made the 1,000-point club in Howard County. Um, I think that uh, – well, we had – Kokomo had really good teams – you know, my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. So, yeah, I mean, we would have won some sectionals. Uh, I don't, we were, we won the only regional my senior year in the whole career of Carl McNaughty, who was our coach. So I don't know. I mean, winning that Anderson regional was always tough. But, uh, yeah, things would have probably been different if I played at Coke Mall four years. And, and what's funny What's funny is I tried to, my dad tried all kind of angles to get me to Kokomo. We were three blocks away from the Kokomo uh, district where we lived at. So it was uh, something I wanted to play there, you know, from the time I was a a kid, but didn't get to until my senior year. You you know, speaking of legends, uh, uh, what was uh, playing for Coach McNulty like? You know, Coach McNulty was a, he had a lot of uh, confidence in me, which I that of all the coaches I had, well, coach of IPFW were they they gave me the green light to shoot, but 
Carl was he was he was hard nosed. He did he didn't put up with any crap. He was the toughest coach I ever played for. And uh, what's funny with Carl, he was real. You know, I was kind of scared of him when I played for him. But the last couple of years of his life, he just passed away back in January. His grandson, good friends with Carl's son, and, and Carl's grandson plays is the same age as my daughter. My daughter is a cheerleader, so I went to a lot of the games. And I would sit with Carl, and we'd talk about the game. And, you know, he was this, you know, this 80-some-year-old guy, and he's real calm and mellow now. He wasn't the mean coach that he was when, when I played for him. It's kind of cool to hang out with him like that. What what were some of the – do you remember some of the – how was recruiting like that for college basketball back then? And do you remember the first couple of letters that uh, you got for possibly playing basketball for a college? And why did you pick uh, uh, who you ended up picking? Well, what I had uh, several – my freshman and sophomore year, I got a bunch of letters because I was a Street and Smith honorable mention All-American, which – uh, the reason I think I got that, the guy that did that was a good friend of my dad's. His name was Dave Kreider. Mm-hmm. And he picked the Street and Smith All-Americans. Well, once you get on that Street and Smith Honorable Mention All-American, you get these colleges. Back then, they just sent you letters in the yeah. mail. And you fill out the, the stuff. And I mean, I had stacks of letters. But there was only schools that I actually, you know, applied to the school and had to get accepted to the school and it was the two schools were stanford and butler were the two schools that i filled out an application got accepted to the school but then i didn't get a didn't get any scholarship offers so i went my senior year with no scholarship offer like i mean i could have went to there was a, a school in georgia called oglethorpe that i had a a connection to that I could have gone there, but there was no scholarship money for it. It's, you know, it's a, it was a division three. And then my dad had a coach at Murray state, a friend of his, Steve Newton. And I didn't want to go that far away from home. It was about an eight hour drive. And I, so I ended up, what I ended up doing my freshman year, I went to ball state just to go to school. And, uh, I was, I was really missing, but I didn't want to, if I wasn't playing Division One, I, I didn't really want to, you know, I didn't. I was just going to give basketball up. So I went to Ball State for a year, and but I kept playing basketball. And uh, one of my good friends from Kokomo was playing for IPFW at the time. They were Division Two, Great Lakes Valley Conference. And uh, he said, "Hey, Coach Russell would really like you to come up and play up here next year." So I went up there and you know visited and. I just, that's where I decided to play. Well, then after my sophomore year, Coach Russell gets, he gets fired. And then the new coach that comes in, Andy Piazza, he has a meeting with all the returning players. And uh, he basically tells me he came, he came from a junior college up in Michigan. And he basically told me that, hey, I've got my junior college kids coming in. He goes, I'll keep you on the team. There's not, you won't get any scholarship money. And uh, you probably won't get any playing time. So he said, "I'll leave the decision up to you if you want to stay or not." And my, and my teammate from Kokomo, he he graduated. He was a senior that year. So I, you know, I called and talked to my dad about. It. I said, "You know what? I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore." 
and that was the end of it. So I played one year at IPFW. And they played in the same conference as the University of Indianapolis, right? Indianapolis. Oh University. yeah, 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 and uh, St. Joseph's, and uh, I remember when we played at the University of Indianapolis. My buddies, at, I had a couple of buddies from Copeland who played football for uh, Indianapolis. They'd sit down there in the sidelines and just harass me the whole <laughs> game. It was, it was kind of fun. So what year did you yeah. gra- what year did you graduate from Kokomo? Eighty five. Eighty five. And you were what? You were eighty six from Broad Ripple. Uh, yes, eighty six from Broad Ripple. So okay. And, and we have a little bit of six degrees of separation from us. With you know, um, I, I want to get into your story, but you know, uh, we uh, our high school got a phone call and said, hey, they're making this sports movie. They need fans to come to uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse and and play. And of course, Broad Ripple was to play Shatard, and of course, at halftime they filmed the championship game of Hoosiers. But I'd like to take it from uh-huh. the top on. How you got the, the how you got the phone call to showing up with your own basketball to to, to take us through that process and how much that uh, how exciting how much fun that was being or what, did you think it was going to even be what it has you know it's the number one sports movie uh, in America once again but uh, take us take us yeah. from the top with that. Well, so the summer between my so it would have been my end of my senior year in high school so it was the summer of eighty five. Me and my buddies were just hanging out in Kokomo, drinking beer and just kind of just doing our thing, you know, just getting ready. We're all going to college, you know, in the in the fall. And we're listening to Q95 because that's what everybody listened to back then. And uh, they're the talking Bob about and Tom auditions. show. <laughs> yeah, the Bob and Tom show. They're talking about these auditions for this basketball movie. So me and my buddy said, "Hey, let's let's we're not doing anything. Let's go down there." So we drove down to IUPUI. I was during, during the week. I think it was in the morning, some like a Wednesday or Thursday morning. And there must have been 500, 600 people there lined up to do these auditions. And uh, as we're waiting in line, Maris Bellinas, who got Jimmy Chitwood, he's the one that had his own basketball. I'm sorry. He came in with yeah. He came in with his own basketball. And, all the guys are like, they're looking at him. Who's this clown? What's he got his own basketball for? <clears throat> so literally, we know he's gonna. I'm probably the only one that even remembered him. Cause the guys I was with, they didn't get in the movie. So I see him later on when we're filming, and I'm like, that's the dude that had the basketball because he had that. He kind of had that unique look to him anyway. So. Anyway, at the auditions, they just had us basically scrimmaging. We had to, you know, give them our name and. Well, as soon as I gave him my name, all the guys there instantly knew who I was because they were all IU guys. David Anspaugh, Angelo Pizzo, another guy that was there, they were all for Sigma News at IU, which my dad was a Sigma News. So I'm th- already I'm already thinking in my mind, man, I might have a chance to get in this movie. <laughs> so after that audition was done, they they after we got them playing, they actually called me over and said, hey, we're going to, we need uh, a way to reach you. We need to have another, you're going to be called back for another audition in a couple of days. So we had to, so I had to give them all my information. They got a hold of me. I came down like two, two days later. They had another little basketball thing. And then they had, uh, had us read lines from like, uh, they gave us like scripts to, to read the lines and uh, I think at this time there was probably 50 to 60 kids left. Well, 
I made it past that cut down to the final 20 and had to come back like two more days later and meet with the casting director and uh, just kind of interviewed with him. And then they had us pick the lines of the main Hickory players, which I think what was there six or seven. They gave us the script. I, I went through, I went through and picked the one that had the least amount of lines on it that I could memorize real quick. And it, it was, it, it ended up being, uh, Oh, the religion. I can't think of the guy's name in the movie now, but he's, his dad was the had, one that had the bus right. and uh, he's the one that prayed all the time. Right. That's the, that's the part I auditioned for. But when we auditioned this time, they brought us into this room after we memorized lines and it was like we were on a set with, uh, it was either David Anspar or Angelo Pizzo with us. And we were acting out the parts with them on the set. And they had like Tom Abernathy and Tom Abernathy is actually the first person I saw when I walked in. And I was like, I was kind of like instantly nervous when I saw him because he's sitting in these chairs, like watching me do these lines with, uh, David or Angelo, I can't remember which one, but and I I couldn't get the like. I was flubbing up on all the the lines and everything. They they and they tried to help me, and I just never get it. Was so I didn't get one of the main parts. But they called me back, you know, near the end of the summer and said, "Hey, we're going to have a part for you in the movie. We'll be in touch with you." And you know, at that time I was already when we started filming, I was already enrolled at Ball State, so. I had to miss a whole week of classes to do the filming and stuff. Down there. We did all our filming in Brownsburg. And then the movie came out the next, see, it would have been the fall of 86 is when the movie came out. And I was at IPFW at the time. So that's when all the NCAA <laughs> things came out where – I got money to play basketball, and so IPFW they, they they set something up with the NCAA that I had to pay a percentage of the money back, and I had to set out my first three games of the season with IPFW. So, and it ended up I ended up being the first player suspended by the NCAA at IPFW. <laughs> so. And and is it true? More, and, got, and is it true that you uh, you sent a check, but it wasn't cashed? They never cashed the check. <laughs> I sent a personal check to, to Orion Pictures, and it never got cashed. I can't even remember how much the check was for. I, it was it wasn't a lot of money. It was, I mean, maybe a hundred bucks or hundred and fifty bucks, something like that. But it was a percentage of what I made is what I had to send back. So, Did and you, they never cashed. I had go ahead. Did you at that time know what that was going to be? Did you have a feeling or did you like, are you really like, yeah, uh, man, I don't know if this is going to be what it's supposed to, you know, cause you haven't, you didn't see the final project, uh, uh, product yet, yeah, but did you, did you have no. an inkling of what it was going to turn out to be like? No, I did. Yeah. I thought it was, I, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be as big as it is today back then. I thought it was just going to be a regular, you know, bad news bears type of basketball movie. And it, I didn't have any idea it would be as big as it is now. Not even a clue. 
What yeah. was what was it like? What what were the steps that you had to do? Did you have to get a a, a SAG card? Uh, is there a lot of rigmarole uh, to to be able to be in a movie or to get a name within a movie? Well, no, I didn't have to get a SAG card I, because I didn't have any lines. So basically, I just went down there. When they told me to come down, I did my. We did a couple days of practice, and then we would get to the set at like seven in the morning. The days we'd film, and, and you would go to like eight o'clock at night. But you would get there. They would get you in the dressing room, cut your hair, get some like makeup and stuff on your face, get your uniforms on, and then you would go out and you you stood around half the day anyway, just kind of waiting on to do different scenes and stuff. And they would kind of choreograph what you would do for like the fight scene where the guy goes into the trophy case. We filmed that scene at least at least four times and they would bring in a new trophy case and replace the one that was Christ into. So, so tell me a little bit about, you know, and, and I, I guess I'm probably like a kid at a candy store here because I want to know these uh, questions that you've answered probably hundreds of times. But you know how when you were a kid and you got your uniform and you're like, oh, man, this is cool. Yeah, I'm going to wear it around the house a little bit or whatever. What uh, was what was your thought process when they gave you the Terra Hune jersey? I mean, was it was it a decent piece of material or was it, you know, it was it was kind of a thin it was a thin material. It was a cheap. And the shorts were like that silk material, <laughs> right? And it had a, had a little belt. I still got the uniform. I, the last day I filmed, I, I put the uniform in my Chuck Taylor Converse in my bag. I thought I knew that was the last day I was filming. <laughs> and I was thinking in my mind, I'm just, I'm, this is, I'm taking this because this, you know, this is my uniform I wore in this movie. <laughs> We were supposed to turn it in when we were done. I just took mine home with me, and, I, and I've got it framed up in my basement now. So, so, so what, what were the takes like in doing that? Was it just like a regular uh, uh, pickup game, or was 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 it just like acting? You guys need to score, blah 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 blah. Or was did it did it happen naturally, or was it forced? Well, okay, so like the there were different parts where we had to do like a. It was where it was choreographed, like the fight into the trophy case. That was kind of choreographed where, you know, this guy has to come and hit this guy. And, you know, the rest of you guys just kind of hold people back and kind of, you know, and then we go in. And then the part where I get fouled and Dennis Hopper comes on the court drunk, <laughs> we had to do that a couple times. You know, it was all kind of choreographed. And then, uh, you know, but most of the part was – where we would just run up and down the court and just say scrimmage and just kind of just do your thing for a half hour. And we would just kind of go up and down the court and kind of just play like scrimmage basketball. But, you know, obviously they didn't want us blocking people's shots. And, you know, you kind of had to shoot. They wanted you to shoot like one leg pull-ups and not regular 1986-style jump shots. <laughs> so... What was it like to, you know, to do those parts and then, you know, see a um, uh, Dennis Hopper, you know, come out in the court or see uh, uh, Hackman at on the set? What, you know, of course, of course, we were young at the time. You were young at that time and 
probably really didn't register, but did you still, you know, did you have an, a, a wow moment or was it just like, you know, let, we, we, we do this and, and then we're done? Like seeing the celebrities and stuff? Yeah. Like, well, you know, Gene Hackman didn't really, I mean, I never really was starstruck by Gene Hackman or, or Barbara Hershey, which was funny. I don't know if, if I was just naive or what, but I didn't realize Barbara Hershey was a Playboy Playmate of the Year. Until after, like, you know, five years after the movie. I was like, you know, that's kind of, that would be kind of neat to see a Playboy Playman of the Year hanging out with <laughs> and stuff. But, but I was more, I thought Dennis Hopper was really cool. For one, he, I knew he'd been in two movies with James Dean. Right. Which, you know, being from Indiana, everybody loves James Dean or, you know, wants to, you know, the rebel, everyone be like the rebel, so... Yeah, I kind of talked to him, and he was really a, a really nice guy. And he he would what was funny when that scene where he came out on the court drunk, he would actually spin in the hallway and come out to you know look like he was drunk. Mm-hmm. And he told my dad my and my my dad and I were talking to him one of the days we were filming, and he said back in the day I really really would have been drunk. He said that's why he said that's why I just spin it now because I don't drink or you know do that kind of stuff anymore. So. Did you go to the premiere of the movie, or when, when did you first see the final um, uh, product? Uh, I did not. I did not go to the premiere. I was going to, but I didn't. I was up at Fort Wayne, obviously, when it came out, and then they had a pr- special premiere in Kokomo, and they wanted me to come and sign autographs at it. And they had my name up on the up on the. Yeah, you know, they had the movies up on the like the big billboard mm-hmm. out on the highway. And they have my name up there, starring Jimmy Rail. And like, I told my mom and dad, I said, I'm not coming back and signing autographs because I thought it was going to be some kind of cheesy movie. I, I was more embarrassed about you know going up there and signing autographs than anything. So I didn't come to that one. So I just one day when I was at the IPFW, I just uh, went to the movies and watched it up there at the movie theater. I think one of my teammates went with me. Now I, I know. I know you're going to tell me what you did, but when when I saw it at, at Glendale, right off of uh, Keystone and Kessler in Indianapolis, uh-huh. um, I mean, I mean, and I wasn't even, I wasn't, I was, I was six degrees of separation away from it. I mean, it brought tears to my eyes. I was, I was, it, I was goosebumped. I don't know what did you think about it, or was the theater full when you oh. watched it, or would you come out going, "Damn, that's a good movie." Yeah, I, I thought it was a good movie. I, I, I didn't get tears back then, but now when I watch it with my kids, I kind of do. As I get older, I get more emotional about it. And my kids are like looking at me. They, they think, I made my kids watch it last year for the first time ever, and they thought it was the dumbest movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of like, this movie's not any good. I'm like, well, are you kidding me? I don't know if, if, if the generations of, you know, I don't. I don't know if kids just don't watch movies like that anymore or what. But yeah, but I get emotional now when I watch it because I, I think back and I, you know, well, first of all, I'm in it, and how good of a movie it's becoming, you know, how good of a movie it is now. So it's just how popular it is and it has became. And you go you go to a lot of these uh, uh, reunions and um, stuff, right? Yeah, well, I've only been to one of them, and it was at Banker's Life, and it would have that would have been in 2013. And what was that like? And uh, it was actually really fun. I, I mean, they had, I mean, all the they had not all the main players back, but they had I think four or five of them. They had the 
couple of the guys from the state championship game when they played like was it South Bend in the championship. Had a couple of those guys there. Uh, myself, uh, some of the like coaches and referees, and uh, Angelo was there and David was there. And we just had like a little meet and greet with all these people that came to it and signed autographs. And then we went and watched a special, uh, like a special edition version of the of the movie up in one of the suites. It was, it was pretty cool. What did you stick in your Converse that trip? What did I stick in my... <laughs> you remember you I took... Nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, do you... Do you what else from there? What else did you, um, you know, your, your basketball career's over. You, um, you, you've kind of, I mean, what did you move on and do from there, Jimbo? Well, what happened is I, I came back and finished school here in Kokomo, the Indiana University of Kokomo. And while I was here, one of my buddies was a supervisor at UPS. He said, Hey, I can get you on at UPS. You have to be in college to, to get a job at the time yet. UPS, you had to be in college to get a job. Now they'll just hire anybody, but so I thought, well, that's that's be a pretty good job, you know, making decent money, going to school. So I started working out there part time, and I I just kind of got to looking at the. I had a couple guys that had worked there, you know, for ten, fifteen years. They were telling me how good the benefits were and the retirement, and and I'm thinking this probably would be a pretty good job. I could do this and I'm young enough. At the time you could retire when you were 50. Then they changed it to 52, which I, I retired last year. I worked there for 30 years. Oh, wow. But, but once I got in there, my dad was like, my dad worked for Xerox and I mean, he had a good job, but like the insurance and stuff that UPS had and the benefits and the pension and the pay. I was, you know, 22. I'm thinking, this isn't a this isn't a very good job. And then I realized, heck, I was making a lot of I was making more money than a lot of my friends that were attorneys and stuff at the time. Like, when does you know when was this set up, or did you just roll this out on your own with the uh, delivering packages with the heart and the dance? Uh that was right. That was uh, three months before I retired. Okay. Uh, I I had the same route for 23 years. Wow. And everybody in my everybody on my route knew me. I'm I'm kind of a cut up anyway. <laughs> well, these ring do- these ring doorbells, mm-hmm. you know, they started popping up about three four years ago. And I always would come up to the doors, and I would just always do like a moonwalk or a, <laughs> you know some kind of crazy dance for the ring doorbell. Well, this. That singer Drake had that song, uh, Kiki, Do You Love Me, which had a dance. Right. So I basically was just doing that dance for the doorbell of this lady on my route, put it on Facebook, and she sent she sent me a message. I don't know if it was okay if I did that, but she put me on there. And I said, yeah, that's fine. And the next thing I know, I mean, this is like she sent me the text in the – 10 o'clock in the morning by two in the afternoon it had already went like it already had a million views it was everywhere that's how quick it went viral 
next morning on every TV station in the country. I've got my buddies calling me from California and, you know, all over going, hey, I just saw you on the news this morning. So, and then my son comes home the next day after school and he goes, I don't know if I should laugh or cry about this <laughs> with dad being on this viral video. I'm, I don't know if I should be embarrassed or be happy for him. Kind of like how you thought your dad was at that age, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and tell us about your kids now again. You you have one that's playing basketball and one that's a cheerleader? Yeah, I have, uh, my son will be a sophomore next year. And then uh, my daughter will be a sixth grader. And she's, she's actually a softball player and a cheerleader. And my son's a baseball player and a basketball player. You know, say what you want to say about Jimmy Chitwood. I, I, I don't I don't think that – I mean, he didn't even make his own high school team, did he? No, he did not. I think he went to uh, – Chittard. I either went – did he go to Bishop Chittard? Yeah, I think so. I think he did. I, was, I knew it was either Chittard or Ron Colley, one of the parochial schools. So, yeah, he didn't even play on his high school basketball team. And so uh, – it, 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 so also, are you in, in insurance? Do you do that part time, or are you just retired from UPS? Uh, I, well, so I, I retired from UPS, and then uh, one of my good friends here in Kokomo is a State Farm agent, and he played basketball in North Dakota State and baseball in North Dakota State. And uh, he said, "Hey, you ought to come work with me. You'll get your licenses and sell insurance. Many people, as you know, you could do really good at it." So I've got all my licenses, and I started selling insurance last April. So I've been doing it for a year and one month now Ah, for State Farm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jimbo, what was it like sometimes to come home to the house and uh, uh, you there were people there to see your dad? What were, did you get to uh, you know see a lot of uh, former IU players or a lot of people come by the house to uh, chat or uh, spend some time with your dad that you're kind of like, wow, but maybe at that age you didn't kind of appreciate it, but you appreciate it now as you look back on it? Well, the one that I – this is the best one. When my dad was working for Xerox, John Havlicek was a spokesperson for Xerox. Well – I don't know why, how, for some reason he was in Indiana doing promotional stuff for Xerox and they put him with my dad to go around to central Indiana. So lo and behold, uh, John Hevlicek shows up at our house with my dad and, uh, my dad called my mom and told her that he was coming. Well, word got out. The Kokomo Tribune was there. There, I mean, there must've been 25, 30 people in our driveway to see him and media and uh, he signed autographs and he took one shot in our driveway and nothing but net and he said that's all i'm shooting is one i'm one for one <laughs> so john havlicek has had shot on my mom and dad's goal at their house along with several other guys that you know came along the way and shot there too so what else does uh, jimbo rail do in uh, retirement uh, I go to a lot of Cubs games. I've got Cubs season tickets. So, but this year I haven't gone to a game because they're not playing. So <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm kind of like in a, I'm depressed right now because I well, can't go watch my Cubs. Well, you got to find a, a positive in it. Like we find it down here in Houston. This is going to be the first April that the uh, Astros have gone undefeated. Yeah. You know, and I was just, 
my buddy and I, another Cubs fan of mine, we were talking about this is the greatest thing for the Astros because by the time they get to play baseball again, they're going to forget about all the <laughs> stuff. <laughs> And you know, you know why the, none of the Astros uh, uh, got the um, uh, the uh, the flu bug, right? What, why is that? Oh, uh, they saw the signs. Someone <laughs> hit. <laughs> uh, someone. Someone was hitting the trash can. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy to me. <laughs> you know, you chatted at, at the beginning there a little bit about baseball. Did you have a love for baseball? Did you play high school baseball? No, I quit after my freshman year. I was actually, I, I was probably better at baseball than basketball, but I just, I knew that, I guess I'm one of the first guys to say I'm, I'm declaring I'm going to be a one sport athlete in high school, <laughs> but and, I was ahead of my time. But, and why the Cubs? What's that? Why the Cubs? Why are you a, a Cubs fan? Uh, well, I, the reason I'm a Cubs fan, because that was the only station well, you, you get the Reds in Kokomo, Kokomo, but the Reds were on the Reds were on the, the station out of Indianapolis, WTTV four, I think. But we always watched WGN and watched the Cubs. So, and the Cubs were always on in the afternoon because they never had light; they didn't get lights until eighty eight. That's true. So, as a kid growing up, we get out of school and we'd run home because we knew the Cubs were on TV on WGN. So that's in. You know, my dad took us up to Cubs games too. My dad, uh, actually, my dad was a really good baseball player. And after high school, the Cubs had been scouting some of his games. They back then there wasn't a, they didn't have a major league baseball draft like they do now. But you know, he got a letter from the Cubs his senior year in high school that hey, if you decide not, you know, if you don't want to do your basketball the Cubs, we would be interested in taking a look at you further than, you know, because they liked what they saw, I guess. Man, I bet you got um, memorabilia on your left and on your right and uh, up in the attic everywhere uh, uh, with uh, your stuff and, of course, your dad's stuff. Oh, I'm sitting in my office right now. I've got an autographed uh, ABA ball. Uh, I've got his 56-point game ball against Michigan State right here in my office. My mom's got the Minnesota ball. Uh, yeah, I've got quite a bit of stuff in here. That's I awesome. wish I had some of his Pacers. I wish I had some of his Pacers stuff. That'd be the stuff to have. The... My uh, my athletic director in high school at Broderpool was Gene Ring, and um, Gene Ring was your dad's uh, freshman basketball coach. And uh, yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. yeah, that's my that's my six degrees of separation to your dad. It was interesting and in, uh, trying to get your dad. When I got your dad on the program, he told me that. Uh, um, and of course, I'm assuming this was your dad's sense of humor. He said, "Yeah, his his real name wasn't Gene Rang. It was Gene Ringanowski." <laughs> oh, was it really? <laughs> yeah. And I'm going. Okay. I'm like, okay. I think uh, I think Mr. Rail is jerking my chain. <laughs> Was that true or not? No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish That's at that point, stuff like... when I called him for the interview, I wish I would have recorded that portion of it. Cause that, yeah, his real name was Gene Ringanowski. <laughs> like, like, That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jimmy, Jimbo Rail, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us. I, I know we went a couple minutes along, but uh, 
we appreciate you uh, helping keep the nostalgia alive, talking about Hoosiers and uh, uh, talking about uh, 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 your life and, and hoops and, 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 you, and what can Brown do for you. Oh, I, I love it. Hey, I appreciate you having me on here, Billy. It was uh, fun chatting with you, and we'll do it again sometime. All right, Jimbo. Thank you again. All right. Hey, thanks, Billy.